How many know God started with a family? The first thing he did is God built a family, and the family was divided and broken. And it's, uh, uh, at the end of this age, as God started with a family, at the end of this age, he's going to have a family in the earth. And how many know every family has to have parents? And how many know you have some wonderful spiritual parents here? Come on, give it up for them. And <clears throat> there are everybody in this room, God designed it. He's a God of triplicates. He speaks in more excellent ways or threefold ways, Solomon said. And God speaks in triplicates. So there are three fathers you need in your life. You have a social father, if that person's still alive, that would be your biological father. Then you have a spiritual father, which you have your spiritual father and mother. Then you have a sovereign father, which is your heavenly father. And uh, a lot of people know about their heavenly father, but know little about their spiritual father. Each one of those fathers has something to do with your whole being. We are three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. The Bible says your heavenly father, he is the father of spirits. So he fathers your spirit. Your spiritual father is the watchman of your soul. He is responsible to watch what goes in your brain. How many know we're in a word intense season right now because God is renewing our minds that we might have the mind of Christ? Touch your neighbor, say, we have the mind of Christ. And then your natural, your social father takes care of your physical needs, your body. Make sure that you have a roof over your head, you have clothes. All that was taken care of as you were growing up. So your spirit, soul, and body. So this house, first and foremost, is not a, a church that is an orphanage. Most churches that I've gone to over the years, most of them really don't have, they have wonderful pastors, but they don't have a father's heart. The one thing you have here that's very unique with this man and woman, you have spiritual parents that really do love you. And they really care for you. And they're a wonderful covering over this house because there's a lot of talk about spiritual covering. He is an apostolic leader, him and his wife, and they are a spiritual covering for this house. In fact, you will find out everything God does, he covers. He starts by covering it. The tabernacle of Moses, the first thing they built was the covering. They had to have the covering. God wants to make sure his people are covered. It's very very important. So God has given you a man and woman here uh, that is a spiritual covering for you, amen, spiritual parents, and in this house, it is not an orphanage, amen. There are sons and daughters here that God is raising up, and I believe this, the Lord spoke to me in praise and worship. He says, tell City Light Church, Light City Church, tell them that there's a shift taking place because there's a, there's a major shift in this house. You're moving into a new season. And he says, tell them the days of preparation are over. Now it's days of manifestation. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. The days of preparation. How many know that preparation is always intense, but preparation is never wasted? Tell your neighbor, preparation is never wasted. Amen. But now you're coming into a season of great manifestation at the end of... My message here this morning, I have a prophetic word for the whole house. So I don't believe I have individual prophecies, but everyone's going to get a word today in the corporate prophecy over this house. Amen. When God began to speak to me yesterday about noon about what God is doing in this house in this season. This is also a John the Baptist ministry. John the Baptist, he was the one that prepared the way. And so God has sent this church. He sent you ahead of most of the church world. Most of the church, things that are being said here and done here, most of the church world in general don't have a clue because you're a remnant. God always, always begins with a remnant, and this is a remnant church. You better get ready, too, because this fish tank is way too small for what's coming. 
You're going to outgrow this fish tank real quick. You're going to have to build soon, sir. Get ready for it. I would start putting the plans together for what you want, what you believe God's going to do, because this, this church is going to grow numerically. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God's about to cause his church to grow exponentially in so many different ways. So if you've questioned whether or not this is the right church for you, I just come to answer that question and tell you you're in the right place at the right time with the right people. Come on, somebody. And he's talking a lot about community. This month is a time we're developing family and community. And what God is doing in this season is restoring collaborative community. The early church started as a community. Everything about God is, is about culture and community. And so we're developing that. You see in the Old Testament and the days of Joseph, when Joseph landed in Egypt, he established a community, and it was in a place called Goshen. Everybody say Goshen. It was in Goshen. And it was so powerful that 400 years after he died, God still protected that community. See, what you're building here is going to outlive you. See, what we're building in the kingdom isn't something just for our generation in our lifetime. It has to be something that we outlive. Come on, that outlives us. Excuse me, that outlives us. And so 400 years later, when all the plagues came on Egypt, none of them came on Goshen. Because Goshen was God's community. When you build community, God is responsible to protect it and care for it. Hallelujah. So as you begin to build community with pastor over here, amen, as, as you begin to develop and grow and develop this culture and this community here at Light City Church, watch what God begins to do. Amen. What happens in the world can't come here. Amen. Because it's a wall of protection God puts around. In fact, Goshen comes from two Hebrew words. It means to draw, and the second is near the body. This is an important time in this season. You draw near the body, and you stay plugged in this church. This is a really good place to stay plugged in, because what's in the vine? This is a vine church. A vine church is an apostolic vine that becomes a source of God. And if you stay plugged in, you will bear fruit. Now, it may take time, but you don't want to disconnect. Distance is dangerous in God's kingdom. Tell your neighbor, distance is dangerous. But as long as you stay plugged in, hallelujah, you will bear fruit. Because this is a vine church, amen, and there's many different branches, and you've not seen anything yet. What we've seen up to now, sir, is small potatoes compared to what God is about to do in this church. So I encourage you, stay involved. Stay involved with the vision. Support the vision. Support the men and women of God. God has given them a vision for this community. And this church really is, you named it well, it's the city church. This is the, this, not that there's not other churches that aren't relevant in the community, please. But this is the apostolic epicenter for this region. And right now, a lot of people may not know a whole lot about this church because you've been in hiding there's always a hiding time. Remember Elijah? God told him, go hide yourself. But then the day came, he says, go show yourself. This is show and tell time. Amen. This church is about to come on a major scene in this community. Someone give God praise. I'm going to share something with you I've never even shared in my own church. And it's something God's been dealing with me because I believe it is, a, it is an answer to many of the world's problems that we're facing right now. And so I believe it will be a blessing to you if you will be patient with me. I'll be looking at my notes quite a bit because this is really raw. Because God's been speaking to the, it, this to me over the last few days. So, anyways, here we go. If I was to entitle this message this morning, I would call it Sunday. S-O-N-Day. Tell your neighbor it's Sunday. Sunday. 
S-O-N day. Now, we come to church, listen to me, not to be entertained. We come to church to learn to think right. We come to get the mind of Christ. We come to have our mind renewed. We don't come to church to be entertained or to feel good or have our emotions excited because of what's happening. Those are wonderful things, but we come really to think right. Now, the Bible, understand this, the Bible is about a king. It's about his kingdom and about his royal family. Everybody say that with me. The Bible, the Bible. is about a king, about a king. His, kingdom, his kingdom, and his royal family. Now, you're part of that royal family. The royal family is a kingdom of sons, male and female sons. How many know in Christ there's not Jew nor Greek, not male nor female, but a new man? Amen. So everyone here, male and female sons. Now, you're part of a kingdom. Amen. Now, Jesus didn't come to the planet to bring a religion. He came to bring a kingdom. Amen. And you're part of that kingdom. This book is about a king who came to the planet to bring a kingdom and reproduce himself by making more kings. That's why he is the king of kings. He's capital K, we're little K. So touch your neighbor and say, I'm sitting by one of God's royal kings. And we are sent here, amen, as kings, as royal sons, as ambassadors into the planet to colonize the planet with the kingdom of God and the culture of heaven. So no matter where God has planted you, where you go to work tomorrow, whatever you'll be doing this week, it is your responsibility to bring the kingdom of God to the planet. You're bringing the culture of heaven. Amen. Now, the Holy Spirit is the governor of the kingdom. He is the governor of this kingdom. This kingdom has a governor. He is the Holy Ghost. Amen. And you are the governor's mansion. I'm going to wait till someone gets that. See, when Jesus said in John 14, in my father's house are many mansions. Now, I'm going to spoil your mansion up over the hilltop in heaven right now. I'm sorry, but it is true. Amen. You are not going to get a mansion. You are the mansion. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. Tell your neighbors I'm sitting by a beautiful mansion. Hallelujah. How many know that word mansion, amen, is the word mone in the Greek. It is the same word in John 14, 23, where Jesus says, I'm paraphrasing, the Father and I are going to come and make our abode in you. The word abode is the word mansion. So what he says, the Father and I are going to come and mansion you. So you are the governor's mansion. Isn't that pretty cool? Amen. So he lives and he dwells in his mansion. Are we communicating? He doesn't come to make you a better person, but to replace you with the Father's royal nature. So Jesus didn't come to bring, give us a better life. I mean, he really came to give you his nature and make you part of this royal family. Amen? It's called regeneration. I say it this way. It's regeneration. He come to regene you with his royal genes. St. Calvin Klein genes. Amen? These are kingdom genes. So what's in the Father, the Holy Ghost, comes and mansions you and puts his own genes in you. Amen? Someone say yes. So what's in the Father is in you. Amen? You've been regened. Amen? So what is biblical truth? What is this Bible all about? I have one somewhere. Uh, the Bible is about, it's, it's who Christ is and who you are in Christ. That's simple. The Bible is about who Christ is to you and who you are in Christ. Let's keep it simple. Can we do that? Hallelujah. And the answer to all our world's problems is found in our identity as sons. 
when man gets a revelation that he's the son of God, it will begin to solve every single one of your questions. Amen? The world's problems will be resolved in sonship. Amen? What we want to do is re-educate, reevaluate people, rehabilitate. God doesn't rehabilitate. God regenerates. And he came to regenerate you. Now, the answer to mankind's sins, weaknesses, flaws, shortcomings, emotional problems, disruptive behaviors are all resolved and healed in a new creation man. So when man begins to get a revelation of who he is and what he has, all of his issues begin to be resolved. A revelation of our true identity in Christ as sons heals us, saves us, delivers us, empowers us, and transforms our life. Think about what the apostle John had said. He said, what manner of love has the Father bestowed upon us that he would call us the sons of God? I mean, think about that. I think about who I used to be, B.C., and that God would call me his son, and that he would regenerate me and put the Father's nature in me. I can say the same. What kind of love is this that God would call Mark Kaufman a son of God? In fact, most of us don't even know why God gave us the Holy Ghost. It wasn't to speak in tongues. That's not the reason why you got filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in John 1.14, to as many that received him, the Holy Ghost, gave he them power to become a son of God. God gave you the Holy Ghost so you could become a son. The Holy Ghost, hallelujah, is assigned as the governor to come into your mansion, amen, the temple you are, and transform you into a son of God, a mature son of God who can manifest him in the earth. We are here to manifest the nature of the Father. Isn't that powerful? Are we still communicating? Hallelujah. When the Holy Ghost came into your mansion, he didn't become inferior. Can I just park it there for a minute? When the Holy Ghost came into the mansion you are, he did not make you inferior, but superior. You are now a superior being. Amen? Hallelujah. If, 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 if the scripture says, greater is he that is in you, and I believe the scripture, therefore, hallelujah, nothing outside of you can be superior to the greater one on the inside of you. Therefore, the atmosphere doesn't control the spirit. Your spirit controls the atmosphere. So when you step into room as the son of God, hallelujah, the superior nature of Christ you carrier, amen, takes charge over everything inferior in your world. Isn't that amazing? Everything in God's creation functions in rank and order. Everything. Please get this. In God's creation, in the animal kingdom, the lion rules. In the bird kingdom, it's the eagle. In the fish kingdom, it's the shark. In God's kingdom, it's the sons of God. And so therefore, what you carry in the spirit, Christ in you, the hope of glory, hallelujah, has the potential to have dominion of your world. Your world does not have dominion of you. You have dominion. See, the plan of God has always been, let us make man in our likeness and image and let them have dominion. Let them, plural, have dominion. Not individually, we do it corporately. So therefore, God has put within you a spirit of dominion and authority to rule your world. Are we still communicating? Only the sons of God can rule the planet. It's ruled by spirit. Listen to me. The planet is to be ruled by spirit, not by solical, not the solical realm, the intellectual realm, personalities or strength. 
Man for 6,000 years has tried to rule the world through intelligence. It hasn't worked, has it? He's not done a very good job. In this day of God's kingdom, it's not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit. Amen? amen? And that Spirit, amen, is the Spirit of Christ within you. So the world is going to change because of what you carry. Are we still communicating? Hallelujah. Please understand this. Hallelujah. In this next move of God, we don't look for the event. We are the event. In this next move of God, we don't look for the move. You are the move. In the next move of God, we don't look for the blessing. We become the blessing. This next move of God, we don't look for the power. We are the power. Amen? In this next move of the Spirit, we begin to realize it has nothing to do with calendar time but spirit time. Jesus, the disciples asked Jesus right before his ascension, is this the time that you're going to establish your kingdom? He says, it's not for you to know the times and seasons the Father has put for his power, but you shall be witnesses unto me. And Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen. They said, is this the time? He said, listen, the time, listen to me, is not calendar time. The time is a people. Hallelujah. So if you're waiting for God to do something, it's going to be a long wait. Because he's waiting on you. He's waiting on me. Someone say yes. yes. Hallelujah. Now understand this. The Bible is an operator's manual for a new creation. So if you want to know what the new creation man looks like, it's in the Bible. Now my preacher growing up didn't tell me that. Every week I was a sinner. And so every week he gave us new sins and told us new things um, that were new sins every week. So he would have a move of God in an altar call. And so every week we got saved. And so we were told every week we're sinners. Then I read one day that Paul was not calling the church sinners but saints. So I was a sinner saved by grace, but now I'm a saint, and I'm a son. Come on, somebody. Amen. So this Bible that you have is an owner's manual for sonship. It's a revelation of who you are. Now, my car, when I bought my car, my latest car, two and a half years ago, I never read the manual. And uh, two and a half years later, I keep looking certain parts of this manual this thick and I find out there's new things I can do in it. And I'm really having a good time finding out what's on the inside and underneath that hood. Amen. How many know that's what you do when you come here week after week? This man is opening up the manual and telling you what's under the hood. Giving you a revelation of, come on, what God put in the manual is a revelation of who you are, what you have, and how to walk in it. Someone say yes. yes. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible is a manual for supernatural lives of the Son of God. We are in him and he is in us. And that's what the Bible does. Now, religion hijacked us from our true identity in Christ. I grew up, I had no idea. No one gave me these kind of messages. I wish I was some of your age and had what, come on, I have now. Are we communicating? Amen. I learned a lot about sin in church. But then one day God told me, because I said, God, what is sin? I'll never forget, he gave me this 20 years. He goes, sin is a mistaken identity. Write that down. Sin is a mistaken identity. You know what happened when you sinned? You had momentary amnesia. You forgot who you were as the son of God. Because when you begin to grow in sonship, hallelujah, 
you begin to say, wait a minute, hallelujah, that's not part of my nature. <laughs> it's not in me to do that. I am a son of God. Hallelujah. Now, before the foundation of the world, there was a meeting. In the middle of nowhere, in the middle of eternity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost had a meeting. And they talked about you in the meeting. Three things happened in the meeting. Uh, before the foundation of the world, listen to me, number one, hallelujah, during this meeting, first of all, the meeting, the works of God were finished. Number two, the lamb was slain. And number three, you were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. The works were finished. So before God started, he finished it. How many believe Jesus wasn't plan B? How many believe he's still, come on, he was plan A? It wasn't like God says, oh, man jacked up. What are we going to do? Oh, let's send the son. How many of the lamb was slain before there was ever a fall? He fixed the fight before there was a fight. He declared the end from the beginning. And he chose you and I in him before we ever got in mama's belly. He already called us. I remember being raised in church as a young boy, and someone would get saved. My preacher would say, oh, there's another name being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then we have to sing that song. How many, that is not Bible. Hallelujah. It is not. Nowhere in Scripture does it say when you get saved that Gabriel opens a book and writes your name down. Your name was written in that meeting. The Father was there. Jesus was there. And the Holy Ghost took the minutes. And he wrote your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. In fact, when you got saved, my God and the Holy Ghost, I want to shout right now. When you got saved, Gabriel opened the book and says, oh, this is that. <laughs> We knew they'd come sometime. We just didn't know when. But God already put you in the Lamb's book of life. I think God has this thing fixed, don't you? And so then the Holy Spirit turns to the Father in that meeting and says, what if they mess up? What if they disobey? And so the Father turns from the Holy Spirit. He says, we'll just kill the Son. And the Lamb was slain before there was ever a need for lamb. Hallelujah. I need you to get this. Listen carefully. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost said, if you create this man, if they disobey, they sin, they fall, what are we going to do? Father says, we'll kill the son. And when hell mocked the death of the son, when he was plucked off that cross, I really believe the devil said to the father, check. But the father reminded him of the meeting and said, checkmate. See, anytime the enemy tries to put a check on you, it's like a chess game. God has already, hallelujah, fixed the fight before there was a fight. Hallelujah. He has foreordained you being here in the planet at this time. You are not an accident. You're not a coincidence. Amen. I don't care if you were conceived in the backseat of a car. There's no such thing as illegitimate children, just illegitimate parents. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because God knew you would be here. Because when that little sperm from daddy went moving, there was about 400 other million trying to race to connect with mama's sperm. Hallelujah. And you won. 
And was it an accident, hallelujah, that of all those sperms that were racing to connect with mama's sperm, that you were the one that outran them all? Listen, before you got here, you already won. Hello, somebody. So because the father said, checkmate, the lamb was slain, it was predestined, predetermined, foreordained from the foundation of the world. Now, look, you came out of the assembly line perfect, but because of Adam, who caused the cataclysmic fall of creation, when he fell, he fell on his head also and had amnesia. He forgot he was a son. Right? So because of the fall, you got to take, listen to me, the vehicle back to the manufacturer. Right? If my car breaks down, it's a Jaguar. I'm not going to take it to Toyota. Toyota does not know how to fix my car. It's got to go back to the manufacturer. What we have tried to do, we have tried to take mankind everywhere else but back to the creator, the one who created him. Hallelujah. What God does, hallelujah, because of the fall, everything he does is about restoration. Renew, regenerate, restore, reconcile. Everything God, the word R-E means to do it again. In fact, he says in the book of Revelation, behold, I make all things new. He doesn't make all new things. If so, he wouldn't need us. He makes all things new. So he made you and I a new creation. Amen? Renewed by the Spirit of God. So before the foundation of the world, hallelujah, in that meeting, hallelujah, what God did was already, hallelujah, prepared for, hallelujah, regeneration. You don't take a Bentley back to a Toyota, right, if something goes wrong with the Bentley. Religion has tried to fix man, secular humanism, governments, educational systems. We've done all the personal profiles to try to figure out who man is, and none of them had worked. Amen? If, 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 if you were born perfect, there would be no need for grace, mercy, and worship. I just wonder, let me just put this out there. I just wonder if maybe this thing was a big setup. Because Adam, all the way back in the garden, he never knew God as Savior. He didn't need one. He never knew him as healer. He didn't need a healer. He did not know him as a deliverer. In fact, there is no mention of worship in the garden. He didn't know mercy. He did not know grace. I wonder if it's not accidental that the only way that we can know God is if we had been in a fallen condition and we could know him as Savior, healer, deliverer, and experience the mercy of God to reconcile us back to the Father. I wonder if it was all set up from the foundation of the world. Now, my car has an emblem on it and has an image of a Jaguar on the front. It's really the image of a company. I need you to get this. The manual of my car is filled with guarantees, promises, and it has rules in there. If you do this, you can expect that. Amen? It tells me don't use regular gas use premium. If you use regular, it will not perform at the level and capacity it was created to perform. So I use, I obey what it says, and I put premium in it. It tells you if something goes wrong with it, call a manufacturer 
who is a dealer, hallelujah, a Jaguar dealer who knows how to fix the car. Hang on here. We're going somewhere with this. Are we doing okay? Hallelujah. So it tells you don't change the oil yourself. Amen? Now listen to me. They give you a personal guarantee that if you have a problem, return it to us and we'll fix it, right? Hallelujah. Don't fix it yourself. Submit it to an authorized dealer. We live in a society that people are trying to fix stuff they, did, they weren't created to do. And so we're trying to take people to all the wrong places, amen, hallelujah, and there's no guarantee that they'll be fixed because it's not the authorized dealer. We have all this gender dysphoria right now. What their birth certificate says, they don't believe it matches what they think. I was watching a program on TV. I was just amazed at this young man who was dressed up like a woman. And the lady was asking him questions. And she said the first question was, it said, when did you realize or think that you were a woman? He said, when I was eight years old. He says, I used to like to put my sister's dresses on. And she says, well, who told you that you were possibly a woman? He says, well, no one did. No one told me I wasn't. He said, so what I do, he says, there's days I feel like a boy, so I dress and act like a boy. And there's days that I want to dress up and put makeup on and be like a girl. And it was evident. She says, are you a little confused? He says, yes, I am. It was evident. He was very confused. Now, how many know God is not the author of confusion? He is not confused who you are. He knows how he wired you. Come on, somebody. In fact, the Bible says that he made man in his likeness and image, both male and female. And so we have this identity crisis going on in the world right now, and it's, and it's growing. I mean, they're coming out of the closets. People don't know who they are. And they need, here's the problem is, the world, here's why the world is so confused. They've seen religion. They've never met sons. And when we start showing them sons, we can show them what their real identity is. Hello, somebody. It's called gender identity disorder. So they ask, listen to me, they ask folk, who do you think I am? Who do you think I should be? And they're asking people who don't know their own identity. Amen? It would be like me asking Toyota to fix my Jaguar. They don't know how to fix it. They don't know how it works. Amen? You can't tell an architect who has designed a home and built a home, if you tell him, that's a nice car, he's going to say no. Look at the blueprints. It's a house. Someone else could say, hey, that's a nice boat. Now, if you think it's a boat, in your own mind, it can be a boat to you, but to the architect, it's still a house. So no matter what these, come on, confused people in the world are saying, it doesn't change God's mind about them. He is the architect. He knows how he built you. Hallelujah. It's amazing. Of all God's creation, the only creation God has a problem with is humans. Dogs don't have an identity crisis. Come on, my fish in my fish tank don't think they're gorillas. They know they're fish. They swim like fish. But we have a problem with humanity, amen, because there's a confusion. Because, and the problem is we have to quit blaming them. They haven't seen suns yet, but they're getting ready to. Hallelujah. So you can't tell a creator you're a woman if he designed you to be a man. Jesus asked his disciples, moving quickly here, he asked his disciples, 
who do men say I am? The first time I read that, I thought, Jesus didn't know who he is? No, he was trying to get something out of these men. And he said, well, some say you're Jeremiah. Some say that you're Elijah. You know, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say you're different prophets. And then he says, who do you say I am? And all of a sudden it hit Peter, and this is what Jesus wanted. He said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, you got it. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. No man told you who I am. But the guy who created me, the manufacturer, <laughs> come on somebody. The father revealed my true identity. Then he said this, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. What was the rock upon what rock? The rock was the revelation of sonship. When the church gets the revelation, my God, I want to run right now. When the church gets a revelation of their sonship, the gates of hell can't, come on, can't prevail against the revelation you have of who you are. We have too many church people don't know who they are. They still think they're sinners. Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. So please understand this. <coughs> Jesus, <coughs> excuse me. The manufacturer created a prototype in Jesus. For everyone coming off the assembly line, they were to look like him. So the father was so impressed with his first son. He said, we're going to make a whole batch of them. It says, it behooved the father. Hallelujah. It behooved the father. He was the firstborn of many brethren. Hallelujah. Who he would bring into the kingdom. So he says, I love what I did with the first son so much, I'm going to reproduce him in a whole batch of sons. Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. As he is, so are we in this world. We have to become familiar with our sonship. The next move of God, what's it going to look like? I have people ask me that all the time. They say, Dr. Cobbman, what's the next move of God going to look like? It's not going to look like Pentecost. It's not going to look Presbyterian. It's not going to look Baptist. I'm sorry. It's going to look like Jesus. It's going to heal like him. It's going to deliver like him. It's going to save like him. It's going to reconcile like him. Amen. It's going to love like him. It's going to pray like him. It's going to look just like him. So if you want to know what the next move of God is going to look like, it's going to look like Jesus in the sons of God. That's why I call it Sunday, S-O-N day. Because in this day, we are going to see the sons of God manifest the heart of God. To creation hallelujah that's powerful and so Jesus what does he do he spends the rest of his life making these statements I'm getting to my point here he's making these statements I am statements and it almost sounds kind of egotistical because you think he's always saying I am the bread of life I am the resurrection of the life I am the light of the world I am the way the truth and the life I am the living bread. He makes eight I am statements in the Gospel of John. And if, if you would think about it, it almost sounds kind of egotistical. I am this and I am that. No, he was just confident in who he was. He knew who he was as the son of God. When the scribes and Pharisees come, they says, you say you are a son of God. Is that true? He goes, I am. Just like that. The confidence of Jesus and knowing who he was 
what he carried and what he was assigned to do. Hello, somebody. Confidence says, I know who I am. Hallelujah. You can't permit people who don't know who they are to try to tell you who you are. Mankind at the fall lost the image of God. And this season, we're getting it back. I shared this yesterday morning. I'll repeat it again for those of you who were not here. It'll cost you, though. In the beginning, the first thing God says in Genesis 1.26, it says, let us make man in our likeness and our image and let them have dominion. Amen? So Adam is created, Adam and Eve are created in the likeness and the image of God. Now, what is the likeness and what is the image? The likeness of God, amen, it is the skill, ability, and talent that God gives man. Everyone is born, listen to me, in the likeness of God. The image of God is the character of God. It is the nature of God. Adam did not lose likeness. He lost image. He lost the image. The image of God is also the word of God. So when Jesus, excuse me, when the father come down to look for his first son in the garden, and when he says, Adam, where are you? It's not like God could not find him. He's an all-knowing, all-seeing God. He knew where he was, but he wasn't looking for Adam. He was looking for his image. The image was lost. Now you go to Genesis chapter 5, and you see now God was making man in his likeness. The word image is no longer there. Man has lost the character of God, the nature of God. His word is his image. That's why this season is a word-intense image. Because we must put the word up because it's a mirror. It shows you who you are as a son. We're revealing your true identity as the Son of God. So every time the pastor picks up his Bible and opens it up to you and begins to declare who you are as the Son of God, you're looking at yourself in the mirror. That's what James said, right? Hallelujah. So we lost the image of God. Go over to Luke chapter 15. And Luke chapter 15, I call it the lost and found chapter. There are three things lost. Lost sheep, lost coin, and a lost son. Are you still with me? I want to talk for a minute just about the lost coin. What is this about losing a coin? Here is a woman who's sweeping her house with a light, with a broom, and she's looking for a lost coin. What does that have to do with anything with the kingdom of God? Well, the woman represents the church. Amen? In Scripture, amen, you will always find God uses symbols and metaphors. He is the great symbolist. He loves using symbols. And so, number one, hallelujah, the woman represents the church. And what is she doing at the end of this age? She is sweeping, amen, the house to find a coin. Why a coin? A coin carries an image on it. And so the church has to recover our image back. Come on, somebody. Because there's great value when you find the image of God. Everyone is born and has talent, skill, and ability, but we've lost character. Think about the decisions being made by our government, decisions being made every day by business people. If they don't have, listen to me, if they don't have the image of God, they can have great skill and talent and ability, but they end up making major mistakes if they don't have character. Write this down. The next move of God is about character. The next move of God is about character. The person that left you, hurt you, abused you, their image 
is broken, not yours. Did you hear that? The people that hurt you, rejected you, amen, their image of themselves is broken, not yours. Hallelujah. The child who is running from God just has a marred image. Your prodigal son, your prodigal daughter, remember the prodigal that ran? Finally, he came to himself. The church has to come to themselves, who they really are as sons. He woke up and says, wait, what am I doing here? I'm living like an orphan. In Father's house, there's abundance. He came to himself and went back to Father's house. He said, make me a servant. And he says, no, you're a son. Hello, somebody. Are we still communicating? So I am who he says I am. I can be what he said I can be, and I can do what he says I can do. Listen to this. When you speak truths about you and what God says about you, you begin to attract things. There is a gravitational pull, hallelujah, when you begin to walk in sonship and confident in your sonship that you begin to draw things to you even before you need them. Hallelujah. Creation, write this down, creation was designed to serve the sons of God. Don't forget that. Creation, God designed creation to serve the sons of God. To serve the sons of God. Amen. We needed a recording studio for our school, for our academy, and for many things we were doing. I wasn't looking for it. It came looking for me. Because creation was, des was designed to serve sons. I got a phone call one day six years ago. It's a lady from our community. She has a multi-million dollar recording studio. State of the art. She says, Mark, are you interested in buying my studio? How much? Two million dollars. Well, I don't have that in my pocket right now, but I would like your studio. She goes, no, you're not going to pay that much. I says, well, how much could I buy it for? She says, well, I've had some offers close to that. She says, well, what I would like to give it to you, if you will buy all the equipment for $300,000, I will give you the studio, the five acres, and the house and the property. <laughs> Creation was designed to serve the sons of God. When you start walking in sonship, you don't look for the blessing. It comes looking for you. All these blessings overtake you. Goodness and mercy come, come on, chasing you down, nipping at your heels. They look for you. Hello, somebody. Amen. He said it yesterday and so well about seeking first the kingdom of God. We seek things in church. I was raised to seek it. I'm, we're seeking the money. We're seeking the blessing. No, 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 no. When you start understanding how you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things come looking for you. Amen. They come tracking you down. And so if you're seeking the kingdom, you have to understand there's a king in the kingdom. And so first you have to seek the king. Because if you take the king out of kingdom, you got D-O-M. And there's a lot of dumb churches. And a lot of dumb Christians. But what we want is we're seeking the king in his kingdom. What's his kingdom? His rule and reign in our life. God, take rulership of my life. Take ownership of my life. Hallelujah. I'm a son of God. I'm yours. I said yesterday, what is holiness? Holiness is just this. I am yours. It's a surrendered life. That's what it is. Hallelujah. Very important you understand that. Coming to a close. You create by the fruit of your lips. It's important that you make I am statements. Hallelujah. Because if you don't declare who you are, someone else will define you. You're going to say, I'm the righteousness of God. 
I'm healed. I am delivered. I am anointed. I am prosperous. I call it the I am factor. Hallelujah. When you attach I am to these words, they carry a presence and a power. Sons of God don't need anything. Things have need of us. If you need something, you still have an orphan mindset. Do you believe that Father has provided all this for you? He did. Creation was designed for you, the sons of God. And if we can find our true identity as sons and to begin to declare it, creation, hallelujah, must respond to a son. It must obey a son. Hallelujah. This is the identity crisis we have in the world. Confused people not knowing who they are. And if I know who I am, then I can decree what I'm not. You don't know who you're not if you don't know who you are. So if I know that I am a son of God, I know I'm not sick. I'm not poor. I don't lack. Come on. I am not weak. I am strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. The Bible just reveals your true identity as a son. Period. Hallelujah. When my car breaks down, they fix it and don't even know me. No, no, think about it, okay? Why did they do that? They don't even know me, but they guarantee your car breaks down, you bring it to me, we'll fix it. When I take it there, they don't know me. I go drop it off, and they say, would you like another Jaguar? Well, well yes, I would. <laughs> if I'm waiting for it, they usher me in the room where there's coffee, refreshments, and four TVs, and beautiful couches. They don't know me. Why are they treating me like this? Because they're doing it for their namesake. I, I'm going to preach now. Can we preach now? They do it for their namesake. They have an image to uphold. It's not about you. They don't know you, probably don't even care about you. But they have an image, a reputation. Write this down. Image is equivalent to reputation. Image is equivalent to reputation. All throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel would mess up. I mean, God says, you know, my anger should be poured out against you, but for my name's sake, I got a reputation to uphold, an image to uphold, and so I'm going to bless you in spite of you. They would jack up big time, and every time God would say it, for my name's sake, I'll deliver you, I'll save you, I'll protect you, I'll raise you up. Come on, somebody. Are you still with me? Hallelujah. They have an imitation, uh, 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 an image to protect. Hallelujah. They will replace, restore, renew for their namesake. They'll replace things in my car. Amen. They'll put whatever is needed, whatever is guaranteed, and whatever has been promised to me for their name. Is anybody getting where I'm going with this? Hallelujah. If they can't make it work, their reputation is in trouble. <laughs> Are you with me? You are heaven's product with his image. You bear the image of God. You're created in his likeness and image. Just like my car has a Jaguar emblem, you have the image of God. You have the image of Christ. And God has to make sure, hallelujah, that his because his reputation is at stake if you fail. Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. Your failure is bad for God. 
If you fail, it's bad for God. Because if you fail and people know that you are a Christian, amen, why would they want to bind to the God you serve if you failed? But if they say you're successful, and successful is a biblical word. We were afraid of that growing up in religion because we thought we were supposed to fail. God wants you to be successful. He wants you to prosper. He needs you to for his namesake. Hallelujah. Calm down, Mark. Wherever, listen to me, wherever you are, I guarantee you're coming out. If you're in a situation right now that something is broken down, my God in the Holy Ghost, I want to shout today. If something is broken down in your life, hallelujah, God's guaranteed to fix it. That's why you must know the promises and remind him, hallelujah, right here in the menu, you said you'd fix me. And that isn't being arrogant. Amen. It's the son going to his father and say, God, you made the promise. I didn't do it. And you guaranteed in your manual you'll fix this thing. Hallelujah. At your expense. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So wherever you are, God will do it. He'll do it for his namesake. You can't afford to, come on, he can't afford to have you fail. He can't afford to have your marriage fail. I've, I've, I've taught this stuff to my people for 20 years. I was sharing yesterday with Pastor. In 20 years, we've not had one couple get a divorce in our church. For his namesake, it can't happen. Hallelujah. He guarantees to make it work. Hallelujah. I had three couples leave the church in 2008. Two of them were deacons, 30-year-old couples. The other one was a 65 and a 64-year-old woman. And I warned them, if you leave, they were just leaving God. They were walking away from God. I said, if you leave the covering of this house, I cannot guarantee because there are certain rules in the manual that if you do this, you'll get that. But if you do what you're going to do, I can't promise your protection. Within one year, all three divorced. I'm telling you, church, this stuff works. Come on, give God a hand. This stuff works. Hallelujah. This is a powerful scripture as I close. 1 John 5, 4, whatsoever is born of God, whatsoever is born of God, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Nothing to say whosoever. It's bigger than whosoever. It's whatsoever is born of God. So if God birthed your marriage, it will, come on, overcome. If God birthed this church and it did, this church can't fail. God's reputation is on it. His image, his namesake is here. Hallelujah, my God. If God has birthed a business through you, whatsoever is born of God, man, he leaves it wide open. Anything that God birthed. And if you are born again, how can you fail? Because whatsoever is born of God overcomes the road. His namesake is behind you. He put his image in you. Amen. Hallelujah. For his namesake. I wonder if sometimes we're praying wrong. God, heal me because I'm hurting. I wonder if we prayed, God, heal me for your namesake. <laughs> I wonder what the response would be from heaven. God, heal me for your namesake because your reputation is on the line here. If I get sick and die, it's on you, God, because you told me in the manual, by your stripes, I was made whole. That's a promise. That's a guarantee that you're going to take care of my physical needs. Now, 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 please, that doesn't mean you can't be eating Big Macs for breakfast. 
you got to take responsibility for your body. Amen? That would be like me never changing the oil in my car and it breaks down and me blaming the manufacturer. Amen? There are rules to this. There's responsibility and stewardship that comes with it. But if I do my part, he guarantees he'll do his part. Come on, somebody. Amen? Hallelujah. Listen, listen. You must succeed to protect his namesake. You're going to make it known and tell people. Hallelujah. When you do, you put pressure on heaven. You put a demand on heaven. How many of you have a prophetic word from God? Have you ever received a prophetic word? What you need to do is remind God. Hallelujah. Return that word back to him. Because it's a guarantee, a promise. It's a guarantee. It's his image that he must protect. Last page. Hallelujah. When he tells you, hallelujah, tell everyone. Joshua 1.8, keep the book of law. Let it not depart from where? Your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Do what it says. Then you'll prosper and have good success. Whatever the manual tells you to do, just do it. It's guaranteed. When you discover, let me read these and we're done. When you discover the laws, you won't need to pray about some things. I don't pull up to the gas pump and say, Father, regular or unleaded? Because I've read the manual, I know I have to put premium in. So I don't pray about it. We pray about stuff we shouldn't be praying about. We're bothering heaven about things. Just I gave you a manual. If you read the manual and you obey the manual, your prayer life would be way different. You'd spend more time praising me and celebrating the goodness of God instead of worrying about what's broken down. Hallelujah. God gave you new birth to succeed. I refuse to allow others' insecurities to reflect my identity. Don't let people with their insecurities put their insecurities on your personal identity. Amen? Don't permit other people, other people's false identities to change your true identity. You can't permit people who don't know who they are to tell you where you're going. Quit asking people about your future with people that don't have their own future. People who don't know who they are can't tell you who you are. I want you to stand with me, please. And then I'm going to bring a prophetic word for the house. I want you to say this with me. Can we have someone on the on a keyboard, please? Say this with me. I have more than I think I have. I can do more than I think I can do. And I will be more than I think I'll ever be. We have so much in us. The Bible says we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. Well, that's wonderful to know Christ is in me, the hope of glory, but it's just hoping for glory. Christ in you, the anointing, Christos, the word is Christos. It means the Messiah, the anointing. There's an anointing in you right now, but just knowing the anointing in you is not good enough. Christ in you is just hoping for glory. Christ out of you is the glory. So therefore, you are a glory producer. And as a son of God, you have the ability to change your world, to change your environment. Once again, atmospheres don't control your spirit. Your spirit controls the atmosphere. Oh, i got to go to work today. I know how it's going to be. The atmosphere is just terrible there. Really? Then you've just made the God in you inferior to that environment. 
greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. I, uh, yesterday I was standing over here and my pastor was finishing sharing powerful teaching on abundance. The Lord spoke to me and said, you're standing in the tabernacle of David. Now, this is a word for the whole house. This is who you are. Amos, in the last days, the Lord said through Amos, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David. I'm sorry to disappoint you. It is not a natural tent that will be established in Israel. God will not go back. Amen. He will not go back. How many know we're his tabernacle? Come on, somebody. Amen. Love Israel, but they're not going to build the tabernacle of David. The tabernacle of David is a spiritual tabernacle. It is a people who are a habitation for God. And why did he not say that I will rebuild the temple of Solomon or I will rebuild the tabernacle of Moses? He said, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David. So what is being built here, whether it's consciously, it's planned that way, whatever, you've done it, sir. You've done a really good job. Because this is the tabernacle of David. Number one, it's a house of praise. Everybody say a house of praise. How many know David's tabernacle was a house of praise? This is powerful praise. Give it up for the praise team, somebody. And, and this praise team hasn't seen nothing yet. What God is about to do, and listen to me, any of the delays, it is just a setup for divine delights. What God's going to do with this team, hallelujah, will be replicated among other teams. Get ready because there's going to be a training the trainer program here. You're going to be training praise leaders, raising up praise leaders all around the world, right here from Fort Erie, Canada. Come on, somebody. Amen. It's going to happen. Amen. This is a house of praise. A house of praise. Number two, it's a house without prejudice. Say it with me. A house without prejudice. How many know God is not prejudiced? Do you know the tabernacle of Moses had dividing walls? There was three compartments. Walls keep people in and keep God out. Most churches we were raised in, I'll never forget driving down the road one day, and I saw this sign. It said the Italian assembly, the, the Italian assembly of God. I said, God, when did you turn Italian? You know what they just did? What they did is they just they just said, no one can come here unless you're Italian. And so the God that was in the French and the Germans and the Irish can't come. They're keeping God out. Amen. God is not Italian. Can I tell you this? You are not Canadian. You are sons of God. Your citizenship is not Canadian. Your citizenship is in heavens from whence you look. You're ambassadors sent by God. Amen. People have no idea you're aliens coming to invade this world. Incognito inside of you is a son of God that's about to manifest himself through you to this region. Amen. God is not prejudiced. For some reason, God wired me not to be prejudiced. I don't know why. I was kind of born that way. My best friends were black African-Americans. That's who I grew up with. I was never prejudiced. My grandma was. My great-grandma was. My mother was. I was not. God just wired me. I guess that was part of my apostolic calling. 
I would not want to pastor an all-white church. Too much salt will dry you up. You need pepper to flavor it. My spiritual mother is a black woman. I found out one day she told me, she said, son, you're a black man trapped in a white body. I said, you're right, mother. I said, I love chocolate milk. <laughs> white milk is too bland. You need some chocolate to flavor it. Come on, somebody. That's what I love about this. Look around here and shake someone's hand. Amen. And just tell them I love you with the love of Christ. There are so many different flavors, so many blends. And do you have Baskin and Robbins up here? Is there Baskin and Robbins ice cream? 31 flavors. Amen. If I was to take Jesus for a treat, we would go to Baskin and Robbins. He would want to go where there's 31 flavors. Amen. God loves variety. Amen. There's not one snowflake alike. Come on, somebody. Not one leaf the same way. That's why God made you the way. There's no one like you. No one can do it like you. No one can say it like you. Quit trying to be like someone else. Be you. You're the best you you can be. Don't try to be me. You will mess it up big time. And I'm not going to try to be you. I would jack it up big time. Amen. God made you unique, fearfully, wonderfully made. No one like you. This is the tabernacle of David. It is a house of praise and a house without prejudice. Everybody can come here and they can find their place here in this house. The tabernacle of David also, listen, it was the only king in which he brought all his enemies under his feet. This is what God told me to tell this house. God says, I will not rest until every one of your enemies are brought under your feet. He will not rest. I don't know what enemy. It might be a sickness. It might be arthritis. It might be diabetes. But he says, I will not rest until every one of your enemies come under your feet. Understand something. Listen to me. There's only one scripture, hallelujah, that is in the Bible eight times. Eight is the number of new beginnings. Amen. It is Psalms 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until all your enemies have become your footstool. And I'm declaring this, God told me to tell you, hallelujah, he's going to turn some of your enemies by year in. He's going to make them footstools. And what is a footstool? A footstool is given to you to step up. When my son was small, he's taller than me now. My youngest boy, when he was small, we have an older home, and the cabinets are real high. So he had a footstool, which I tripped over all the time. And he would take that footstool so he can reach things that were above him, things that were out of his reach. I declare to this house by this year end, you're going to begin to see God turn some of your enemies into footstools, and you're going to reach promises, you're going to reach dreams. You're going to reach things you never dreamed possible. He's turning your foes into your footstool. Come on, someone say yes in the house. What, 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 what is this tabernacle of David? The tabernacle of David really is David. In fact, it was the church of Philadelphia was given the key of David. Well, what does a key do? Because God's given you a key today, sir. What does a key do? A key gives you access. It allows you to unlock things and to lock things. It gives you authority to close some things, refuse some things, 
or open up and permit things in your life. Amen? It represents authority. And Holy Ghost told me to tell you this, sir, to tell you this, ma'am. Today he's giving this church the key of David. And the key of David is not just worship. It's part of it. The key of David is David. And he had a presence-driven life. This is one of the most presence-driven churches I've ever been in. Give yourself a hand. This is a presence-driven church. We have too many people, listen to me, that are purpose-driven. Thank God for purpose-driven. I think we got the cart before the horse. We want, listen to me, we want first to be presence-driven, then purpose-driven. In the States, the church has made purpose-driven an idol. And so we're running so hard for a purpose, we forgot God in the mix of it. Come on. Hallelujah. This is a presence-driven church. And God is giving you, listen to me, He's giving this church the key, the authority for this territory. Hallelujah. There is governmental praise that's going to begin to flow from this house like never before. The shift that's going to happen in you and your team, dear. Amen. There's a new mantle coming on you and on this church for governmental praise. You'll deal with principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness. People will come in this church and no one will have to lay hands on them. They'll get healed in the presence of God. Diabetes, cancer will be a thing of the past. Amen. Tumors will just melt in the presence of God. It's going to happen. Mark my word, it will happen in this church. That's where this church is headed. Hallelujah. Because there's an authority, a governmental authority in this praise and worship, hallelujah, that is literally shifting, hallelujah, this community. This community is a better place because you're here. You are salt and you are light. You name this church well, sir. This is the light of this community. There are many churches here, but this, listen to me, is a governmental church. It's an apostolic embassy for this region. And your influence goes over the border, sir. It goes over the border. And what God is doing here, I know it's been incognito. I know it's been behind closed doors. God is about to market this church. Do all the things you want to do. It's wonderful, but God's going to market it all by himself. Amen. And how he's going to do it is by you overcoming and slaying some giants. Come on, somebody. No one knew about David until he took a giant out. This church, there's some, come on, there's some giant killers in this church. And you're going to start taking some giants out. Amen? Some big, come on, some big problems you're going to deal with. And word's going to come out from this house. I mean, from this house. It's going to go abroad. You go to that church, you're going to change. You go there, you'll get healed. You go there, you'll be transformed. Word is about to get out. It's about to be heralded through the land what God is doing at Light City Church right here in Canada. Come on, somebody. Amen? The influence of this ministry is going to go worldwide. I don't know how, but sir, you're not, and this is strange, this is what God told me to tell you, is that you're not going to the world, they're coming to you. You don't have to leave. You can stay home. They're coming here. The nations will come. That's why this building is not big enough, there's not room enough for what God's about to do. Y'all better get ready. You need a ready spirit, get ready to run. This is not a time to be dragging your feet. Hallelujah. You need to follow the man and woman of God for what's about to happen.
because God is creating something here. They're going to come and they say, we want to see what God is doing. I want to take this back. I want to take that back. I want to take this back home. And they will take it and replicate it in their churches. And you will hear throughout the nations, hallelujah, what has been reproduced out of this church. It's coming. I want to say something to those of you that may feel insignificant. Maybe you're new here and you don't know where you fit in. As part of the tabernacle of David, Zechariah said this, even the weakest among you will be like David. Oh, I want to park it there for a minute. That wasn't a good response. Even the weakest among you, those numbered among you who see themselves as the weakest will be like David. Everyone in this building will be giant killers. Everyone a giant killer. And then the Lord said this to me through Zechariah for you and for your team and for the whole house. This is a house of praise. He said in Zechariah chapter 10, I will save Judah first. And this is why God is doing this. I will save Judah first. What does Judah mean? It means, I want you to say this with me. God is making this church his priority. I will save Judah first. When he finds a praising church like this, he says, I will make it my priority. He will jump churches. He will jump pews to get to a praiser. And what God is doing in the season, Judah has to go first. And so what God had to do was establish this church as a praising church. He had to do in this team what he needed to do because you send Judah first. Hallelujah. In fact, the reason why there's so much revelation here, don't take it for granted, is because in the tabernacle of Moses, the position of Judah, they were the first one to see the dawning of a new day. The sun shined on the camp of Judah before anybody else. Everyone else was in the dark. There's a lot of people in this community that's in the dark right now. You haven't been. A dawning of a new day has shined on this church. Hallelujah. And not very long it's going to shine in this community. And God has raised this church up as a forerunning church, a pioneering church, and watch what God does. In the next five years, you will look back and you will say, we had no idea he had that on his mind. Because he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that's already working in you. God bless you, saints. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that your life was impacted by this service and you are able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus or you've known about him but been far from him. We wanna give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross so that you could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. If you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then just repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Savior and my Lord. Help me believe in you and love you every day. 
and help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you have just made to make Jesus the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey. And most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we would love to send you with some easy steps on where to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you real soon.